1: All right, closing in on Christmas here on the Pat's Interference Podcast, I thought it would only be fitting to have the Scrooge of the NFL Network, our friend for the fourth time, Mike Giardi. We teased your uh, return at the end of last episode, which I don't know how many people got through because you know what we were covering and it wasn't very good. Today, we're going to stick in that realm of like the big picture. What the hell did that loss in Las Vegas mean for the Patriots? We're going to get to Pat's Bengals. And you've seen the Bengals twice in person this year. You've bounced around a lot this season. Before we get to that, I want to fast forward a couple of days. What do you want for Christmas?
0: Ooh. That's a good one. I think it's... I want, you know what okay I want? One. I want to be on airplanes and mm-hmm. not have people with bare feet next to me. That's what I want. I want people to understand that feet aren't meant to be taken out in an airport, in any area at all, whatsoever. Put them away in the socks, in the shoe. That's it. I don't want socks. I don't want bare feet. I've had a, two trips in a row to Buffalo. I've had bare feet. It's not cool.
1: And you've complained about it on Twitter. You have complained about it in the locker room yesterday as yeah. we record here on Thursday. I would have to bet that when we go back to Foxborough today for one last round of interviews and press conferences, uh, we will hear about this again. Do you know um, how this?
0: I mean, Andrew, that is disgusting. I, yeah. it's, it is absolutely disgusting. Like, what are we? What Are we not civil? Like what what's 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 happening in this world right now? It's anarchy the,
1: everywhere. And you just you just took it.
0: Well, so the first one, the guy wasn't sitting next to me. He was actually in the in the you know by the gate. And I just was like, is that dude's foot out? And I'm like, that dude's foot's out. The guy was going to Buffalo, by the way. At least the trip coming back, the guy was coming from New York, going to Boston, although again, not, not exactly tropical climate, but like the dude in the first one was going to Buffalo and he was wearing flip-flops to Buffalo in December, I don't, I don't know. But the guy next to me, yeah, it was that was, um, I didn't I didn't recognize for like a half hour because I was in, basically in a coma mm. uh, from fatigue from the day before. Airport and then bar, all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, what's that smell? It's like, oh, maybe I got the stinky guy next to me. Well, it turns out the stinky guy next to me, was stinky, but his feet were out and his feet were stinky. So it was a double, it
1: was Excellent. a double shot. Yeah. I think the only move there is just to stare him directly in the eyes. I go sir you need to put something on your feet
0: yeah it um, it's a tough one you know because you're like I don't know this guy like I don't know if he's a crazy person I mean you kind of have to be a crazy person I think they have your feet out on the plane so then like am I gonna cause an international incident it's it's um it was like 30 minutes left in the flight so I was kind of in a that tough balance if that had been like a cross country flight we would I would have had to say something Be like dude yeah. come on man we're going to freaking Los Angeles we're 30 minutes in and I got to look at your feet. That's not cool.
1: No, I, I think there are other moves. We're not going to spend too much more time on those. Maybe, <laughs> maybe off the air or in the locker room, we could bat these around. There you go. Really don't matter because no one's hanging out in the locker room so much uh, coming off the loss last Sunday. But I, again, I want to start big picture here because I think we can look at the last three games of the season. And like Devin McCordy was telling us yesterday, Oh, we've got a shot. You know, I'm going to keep telling you that we can win out and we can make the playoffs. And technically that's true. Okay, they win the next three games, they get a wild card spot. It doesn't matter. When you look at the uh probability of that, it's between 2 and 15% if they lose against Cincinnati according to 538. So basically this is must win and it'll be must win against Miami and then against Buffalo. It's not going to happen. And this is not a playoff team even if they do get in. So, without fast-forwarding too far, what are the stakes of the last three games? Not for the Patriots who are going to finish 7 and 10, 8 and 9, 9 and 8 or 10 and 7. But for Bill Belichick, who has now become the target of much scrutiny and criticism for an offense that you and I both watched in the summer and said, this sucks. Lo and behold, it sucked. And he's the one all along saying, I'm responsible for the offense.
0: So I think seven and 10 is an interesting one to me because, that, I mean, that's just an utter collapse from where you were. Um, and look, with some of the teams they're playing, they can get a put on them pretty good. So if they get put on pretty good and lose the final three, then I think what I feel like is a pretty, like, I feel like Bill's coming back, but I think it's seven and 10 with three bad losses to end the year and throw actually four, if you want to talk about the Vegas game, then I think maybe stuff gets put on the table that, that, that to me wasn't on the table at this point, because I think that's. You know, two years in a row where you collapse down the stretch. Um, at least last year, you got into the postseason. This year, you wouldn't, you know, if you collapsed down the stretch, you're not getting into the postseason. Um, and everything that you look at from an offensive perspective, which is where he put his reputation on, he put it on on Matt Patricia and he put it on Joe Judge. Who, who's gotten better on offense? Ramondre Stevenson.
1: Yeah, and when, and that's it. But these yeah, are guys. Right. Who so, I need mean, to that's, count. yeah,
0: that's disgusting. I mean, that's, That is, they did everything. We've talked about this before.
1: That is the foot on the airplane of NFL football. (laughs) (laughs) See, look at
0: the foot on the airplane comes back for everything. Um, No, and to me, that just is, that's inexcusable. You set the franchise back because of whatever, hubris, arrogance, whatever you want to call it that led him down that road. And, you know, like you could pop Nick Caley in as the OC tomorrow. And I don't know that you can reverse what you've done and where you've put some of your players from a confidence standpoint and, and from a face standpoint and what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I think you just hit on the, the, the nuclear option there, which is get rid of bill, which I, I, it's still hard for me to get my head around as much as I understand they've lost three out of four. We're here again, where they're fading down the stretch. And this is not just something that happened after Brady left. You know, 2018, you're two and two down the stretch. Miami Miracle and a loss at Pittsburgh. 2019, you lose five of your last nine games. 2020, we all watched that collapse on Monday Night Football. You only get that win over the Jets, but you're losing to the Rams at Miami. Your season's out the window. And last year, as we all know, one and four in your last five games. So this is a team that I could see was kind of building, um, you know, they were like they were putting bumpers out for the end of the season, right? Like we're going to safeguard our way. To the end of the year stay healthy use rotations on defense we hadn't seen from them really before a lighter training camp fewer padded practices and lo and behold they're pretty healthy and they're still not playing well down the stretch and a lot of that is due to the offense so i i don't i think seven and ten is the only way where we get to that option of like is belichick on i get the frustration from fans i get now finally that people are looking at the press conferences when he's like Oh, what have I seen from him in the last two days? Like I saw him at breakfast. I came in at breakfast. Like before, everyone's laughing their ass off at the media. Right. Treat us like a pinata all you want. But that's been a jerk move the whole time he's been here. It's just that he's been winning, and now they're not. So I think like those jokes, things with the crafts tolerate much less when you're 7-10, and 10, and that becomes indisputable when you look at the numbers offensively. That's been a 7-10 and 10 team all year. It's been propped up by defense and special teams. And when you give up a pump lock on special teams – And your margin for error is so thin on defense that you pitch a shutout until you're exhausted in the last two minutes. You just the dam breaks at some point. And that's where we are. I just think this team, more likely than not, will be eight and nine, nine and eight, and ten and seven, which is why my answer is not that is Bill's job on the line. It's he has leverage in those conversations that are coming with the crafts about we need to fix this. We've not had a playoff win since 2018. This has been now four years going on post Brady. We all know what he's accomplished. So the better record, obviously, that they have, the more leverage Bill has. And if it's down to seven to 10, that might be reduced to zero because 10 and seven to seven and 10 with most of the same roster back speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, and, and my the, the leverage conversation is interesting, right? Because I, I've sort of taken the same tact about like, well, if he's nine and eight, or even if he's eight and nine, he can go in there, Robert, and he can say, well, this, that, or hey, you know, Whatever max' attitude went sideways, hit the injury, whatever it is that he can say, "Well, you know, actually, we did a pretty nice job. We were able to patch some things together offensively, even though it doesn't look great. I'm just trying to think how he spins it, but internally, and I think especially recently, including this week, I think conversations have gotten a little bit more intense about the direction of the offense um personnel, play calling, play design. The whole nine yards. And again, it's at, at the point in the year where can you really make drastic changes? We've already heard from Bill. No, you can't. And I I, I kind of agree with him, right? I think and that was
1: four weeks ago.
0: Yeah, you're right. But I think you're too far gone and too far committed to what you did. Um, and too far committed to the guy calling the plays to completely just pull the plug on it and say, you're in and we're going to go do something completely different. We're going back to the McDaniels offense. Um, I, I think that's, that, I, I just don't think you can do that. Maybe you can put implement parts of it, but you can't go full on in that. So to me, that's the interesting part of this because ownership is dissatisfied and they should be. and And they're looking at a situation now where being front and center is important to the crafts uh, and the organization. And now all of a sudden you're playing one o'clock games or you're getting moved out of prime time. And, you know, just that simple thing of getting moved out of prime time, there's less cameras, less cameras mean there's not a camera on Keelan Cole to give definitive that toe is out or it's not out. Um, does that cost you a game? You know, like (laughs) there's just crazy stuff that happens like that, that again, just sort of, I think burns, um, the upper reaches of the building and said, like, what are, we, you know, what are we doing? This is not This is not who we are and what you promised we were going to be.
1: Yeah, and I think it, the conversation is interesting, right, in that Bill could spin this in a lot of different ways as far as even if he, want, if, if he doesn't want to admit that Matt Patricia was a mistake, which so far he's shown no inclination to do. And again, I, I think Matt was put in a position to fail. You're the offensive line coach. In addition to the de facto offensive coordinator, in your first, real year as an offensive coach since 2006 of course you're going to flop let alone with it he was smart enough for uh, to do that in the first place but he can talk his way around that and say okay that was one mistake it led to all these different things we fix that one thing we're back 10 7 11 and 6 in the playoffs like but you can't make that argument of course except 7 and 10 because there's a lot more going wrong as I wrote last week about Bill's mishandling of the offense goes a lot to personnel and a lot to that offensive line that has no depth. Okay. made some very questionable changes, flipping Trent Brown and it's win and yada, yada, yada. So the thing also about this is that you look at the coaching staff, everything stems from there, right? Like the decision to, as Bill put it, even if this is not, in my view, entirely accurate, streamline the offense was partly done because the coaches can only coach what they know. And Judge and Patricia, being new, are going to stick with simpler concepts that they can teach and try to master. And that's fine, except their solution now is just to do those things harder, the same things better. And you heard it from Bill on Wednesday, asked about the offense and how to fix it. It says we need better execution and better consistency. That means doing the same things. We are now at the point of the Patriots engaging in insanity of doing the same things and expecting different results because that's all they can do. And changing the offense, I think would have been a good idea because you could say, oh, we'll go back to McDaniels offense and we'll have a lot more option rounds and we'll call our protections, you know, instead of names, but go back to the numbers. That's fine. The bill still had that system on lockdown, fewer than 20 offensive points per game since McDermott took over. And that's with three Brady seasons included. So you needed to change the offense. It's just the change you opted to make was Patricia and Judge which we said was going to fail in all likelihood. And I said, look, let them dig their own graves. We all think this is a bad idea. I just want to watch. We've watched. It's been terrible. And that's where you just don't have any leverage in those talks. If it's seven and 10, eight, nine, let's pretend they go nine and eight though. Or maybe win out let's say you even lose Saturday, which frankly, like I I called it a must win game for the playoff hopes. You could also argue the other side that this is the least important game of the last three, because the last two are divisional games. As I mentioned, Buffalo has owned you. Miami has come up and taken your stuff multiple times, winning four of the last five against you, and has now vaulted you in the division standings. But if you beat them and say, we're better in the division now, we finished four and two in the AFC East, you know, here were the issues midseason, whatever it was that got Mac turned around, this happened. Nine and eight and 10 and seven, is Bill standing on firm enough ground to do anything he wants and not anything that he doesn't want to do?
0: No, because he's going to have to answer for for what happened to Mac. And I don't think there's any spinning what happened to Mac. And again, there's a lot of people in ownership here, upper reaches of the buildings here. And I think there's been so much negative discussion about it that no matter what happens, I guess you could drop 40 the next three weeks in each of those games. And then maybe, oh, we finally, you know, we finally found it. You know, we finally got full buy-in, we got health and it all happened. I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think that's going to happen. Anybody who's watched this football team doesn't think it's going to happen. So I don't know how you can spin that part of it. And that's an important piece that you dip into the first round, you take a quarterback. And again, Is he the fifth best quarterback? You can make the, whatever. You picked him in the first round and he was pretty good last year. Um, And I think some of their struggles down the stretch were in a lot of other places aside from him. I know I'm going to be called a Mac Honk. I don't really care who plays quarterback. I'm just telling you he was pretty good last year. And I thought if you're doing this the right way, he should have taken a step up this year. Instead, he's probably taken two steps back. And now you're wondering to yourself, do we even have a quarterback for next year? Do we need to go into the draft again? and and do it high? Do we need to get a, a, a stopgap piece? Do we need to get somebody better than a stopgap piece to be our quarterback next year? That's none of us thought that last year. Well, maybe like Adam Jones did, but he's insane. So th- that's my point. Like you just, I don't know how you spin that if you're Bill. And I think, I think there's an easy out here. And the easy out is Bill talks to his friend, Matt, and Bill tells his friend, Matt, we're going in a different direction, but tells Matt, you spin it how you want to spin it. What, what other job do you want in the organization? Do you want to, if Gerard Mayo leaves, do you want to go back to the defensive side and you and Steve can, can co-coordinate this defense? Like, what is it? You know, do you just want to be, hey, you know what? I just decided I want to be the full-time line coach. Like, that's just, that's where I'm at in my career. Or, hey, you know what? I'd like to go upstairs again. I, I kind of enjoyed that part of it. I think they let Matt, Spin his way out of it, whatever that is, because I think there's even with the ability to maybe influence things that they go nine and eight. I don't think they can influence it to that point with Matt. I just don't. I don't.
1: Yeah, I I I tend to agree. I think Bill will feel feel more emboldened, of course. Right. Because nine and eight is one game away from ten and seven. If it's at Vegas game or maybe the Minnesota one, we're in the same place, despite not doing a whole lot for agency and look at what the coaching did, blah, blah, blah. And this and is. Oh, by the way, they'll tell
0: you that both the Minnesota game and the Vegas game, they got screwed by the refs.
1: Right. Right. So we
0: should be we should be 11 and six, not <laughs> nine and eight. Just just put it out there.
1: More and more insanity. Um, yeah. And I I am speaking, of course, is not someone who believes those things, but as someone, you know, in Belichick's case, and I think you used the right word, is just arrogance, you know, and stubbornness about, you know, to to a degree, of course, that's earned arrogance. You win eight super bowls, so you're widely recognized as the greatest coach of all time while you're still alive and have been for going on now close to a decade. Look, of course, you're going to think everything you touch, you know, turns from water to wine. But the flip side of that is Bill also has said publicly. I make as many mistakes as anyone, but when it involves your, you know, professional best friend and Matt Patricia, and is something that was widely doubted, which kind of made you only dig your heels in more every time you talk to us. I'm curious how much uh, or how reluctant he is to admit that mistake, even if it seems to be as obvious to the rest of the world. I want to jump to what's at stake for Mac quickly in a second, and then we'll jump into the game because we need to get to real football here. Um, but there are two things about Mac that that are interesting to me too, because. One is when they drafted him, I saw his selection as opposed to trading up for Justin Fields or selecting another quarterback or just waiting as them banking on this is the guy who can bring our old system to life. Right. Like he is incredibly smart. You could go from the football standpoint, graduating in four years with a master's degree from Alabama, speaks three languages, all these different things, you know, processes, accuracy, all that. When you reduced the system and streamlined it, you took away some of his superpower when you did that. When you put him under center, yeah. twenty-two out of twenty-three times, and those are run plays, and you're that predictable, like they were in Las Vegas, you take away some of his superpower. So I wonder if that's something also too that gets tied in, because yeah, they've done Mac dirty as far as his footwork is still a mess in Week 16 or Week, you know, out out in Vegas, Week 15, whatever it was. Um, I just, you know, do you still see him though as someone that can elevate the other people around him? Because let's say they get back to the water level of his rookie year. You know, at that point, in my opinion, you need to upgrade significantly in other roster spots to then take another step further. Because we saw what he could do, but the questions about ceiling and what he can do in a a circumstance that's not ideal, you know, not creating on his own third down, red zone, all these different plays and arm talent. Like, is that something he could sway where everyone acknowledges the bad situation? If they do win two out of three, you go, okay, this is a guy who can win on his own down the stretch. Is that what's at stake or what is?
0: Yeah, I think there is definitely some of that where I think he had, look, that, that game the other day, I, think, I know you thought it was one of his worst, or if did you think it was his worst? I forget. The, not his
1: there. worst, but one of the worst. Yeah,
0: I mean, I went back and looked at it, and this is not to excuse him. I thought some of the routes were sloppy and some of the early incompletions especially on that first, I think it was the first drive. Myers and Thornton ran bad routes. He throws the ball to one place. They're not there. And you're like, oh, what's wrong with him? Well, actually what's wrong with him is the two guys weren't where they were supposed to be. And there was several examples of that over the course of, of the game. So, but then what is he? Then he's 17 of 31, 18 of 31.
1: Of 31 for yeah, 112.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, so, so even if those things don't happen, we're talking four or five more completions, not going to make a difference. I don't think in, in, in winning and losing, um, yeah, I think there's real questions about him because we went through all of last year and the way they talked about him and the way he performed and, you know, um, then the off season and Bill just absolutely taking his pants off about how great Mac was and all the things that Mac did, right? I mean, it was just, yeah. it was like next level stuff where I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, I know this is a different Bill and it's a different time, but the way he's talking about Mac is not. The way he typically talks about his current players, particularly young ones.
1: Do you think so- he regrets that? Because we know this guy is someone who, and this is on on the sign in the building when every single coach, player, assistant, staffer leaves. And one of those dots, there are four of them, says when you leave here, dot dot dot. One of the roles is manage expectations. What Bill did when he talked back up, mm-hmm. even if that's how he felt, and all we can ask for is honesty, even if we don't get it a whole lot is exactly that. He shared his honest feelings, but it set the bar so high that I've said before. We were treating Mac like he had already made the year two lead and this was July and August. Like do you think now he would regret some of that because Oh yeah, I don't
0: team? think he would I don't think he would do that again. Yeah, yeah. Um and I don't think look I, and I've said it, I don't mind the outbursts on the field. Same. Because I think it's been such a frustrating year and and again he knows, Matt Mac knows, hey, th- this is what I'm good at, right? And to your point, the streamlining of the offense and simplifying has taken away some of his powers or superpowers, if you will. And th- I mean, that's completely illogical. If you're building an offense and you believe in the quarterback, you should be building it around the quarterback and they didn't do that. And I think, again, they've helped to suppress his growth. But now that we're here, and you've suppressed his growth, and the offense looked better when Bailey Zappi was playing quarterback, um, for whatever it's worth. And I don't believe Bailey Zappy's the answer for all the the Zappi fever people out there.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: I think it just raises more questions about like, well, wait a minute now, like, I told you I could win with a with a league average quarterback. Well, when I put Zappi in there, he's probably a below league average quarterback, and we and we won. Um, and now my first round pick, it's. It's all over the place. There's been good numbers where he hasn't played well. There's been bad numbers. There's been stuff in between. It hasn't looked right all year. He hasn't looked comfortable all year. I've said it. i said it a million times now. He looks more like a rookie this year than he did at any point last year. Uh, that's concerning, you know, like, and, and now is he so good that you can just say, ah, it's just, you know, we did, we screwed it up. But when we get the real offensive coordinator in here next year and we play to his strengths again, he's going to make that leap. And now you're going to see the guy that we thought was worthy of taking 15th overall. I don't know that you can say that now. And um, I, once again, first and foremost, that's on them, but there is Mac has to share some responsibility here because, you know, is in fact funny when we, when we heard from him on Wednesday, he talked about how his outbursts, well, you can't let it affect the next play. Well, well, let's go back in the Vegas game and let's see. Did it affect the next play? Did your clock get all screwed up? Were you, when they were trying to talk to you, were you still bitching and moaning about the call? And it just, there's ownership there that he has to take that I'm not sure, at least publicly. He's taken some, but there's some areas where he's sort of done a Belichick and skated right over it. And I don't think he can, I don't think Bill should be able to skate right over it. We've sort of certainly held him accountable. I don't think Matt can either.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is the arrogance too, right? Because he's the guy who went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie and had one of the best statistical seasons <laughs> yes. in NFL history. And look, I know that's technically. I know, I know.
0: No, no, you're right. It's fair. It's <laughs> the, when, when, it, when his career is over, that'll be something people point to. He went to a Pro Bowl,
1: you know? Yeah. Um, but to answer my own question here for what's at stake for Mac, I think it's a control over his own narrative, right? Because that fell apart at the end of last season One and four, everyone's talking about he's turning the ball over. He's not playing particularly well. He was buoyed enough by his early season performance. and also played well in the wild card game against Buffalo, which people forget because it was freaking 47 to 17 and handled the Jaguars in a very, you know, dumbed down game plan that they had that got him back to basics. I think for him, if he plays well against, you know, at least two good defenses here, Cincinnati and then Buffalo and beats Miami, something he's yet to do in the NFL then you can say, okay, it wasn't his fault because our lasting memory here, the one that's going to live stronger than what happened in November or early December will be these last three games. And right or wrong, that's just how human brains work. What we saw first, what we saw last and the things that stood out in the middle. And for Mac, the things that have been standing out in the middle have obviously been performances like Las Vegas, okay? Or maybe primetime against Minnesota. What are you going to do to support that? And I think for him, it's his narrative, not only publicly, but I think within... Offices. Um, I said two things before we got to Mac, which now we're kind of wrapping up, but I remembered the second thing because I didn't hit it really quickly. I did TV last night, and Michael Holly, DJ, Bean, and I landed our plans for how to fix the Patriots offense. All of us involved Bill O'Brien to some degree, maybe just two of us. I don't want to do the group think here, but I think the Patriots don't go outside the family, Bill O'Brien's inside the family, he's got a quarterbacks coach background even before he came to New England. He's obviously been an offensive coordinator and a head coach. He was at Alabama, knows our offense, knows Patriots. I think we'll do a good job of merging those. You need to build this offense back out. It cannot be as bare bones and as simple as it is now. Is that a guy you would want to be the OC next year? Hey, guys, a quick break for a holiday gift from me to you. It's a reminder that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. NFL, college football, Bowl season, esports, in the end of the World Cup, you'll find the latest odds on all of those, plus team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at BetOnline.ag, where BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for any sport or game. BetOnline is the fastest in the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head online to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS fifty. That's C L NS50 to receive your reward at BetOnline, where the game starts.
0: Well, I I mean, he would be number one on my list, okay, Um, without question. I just, I don't know that it's as, um, I don't know that it's as easy as people want it to be or think it's going to be. I think there's a lot of different pieces involved here. Yes, he has ties here. Yes, he coached here. He has aspirations of being a head coach again. What's Bill's situation? Is Bill going to coach for three more years, four more years? Does Bill O'Brien want to move his family again and do it for a year or two and then get a head coaching job somewhere else and then have to move again? Or does Bill O'Brien at this stage of his life want to go someplace where he can put his roots down and say, I got a five-year deal to be the guy. And this is where, you know, I'm going to be unless they fire me. Um, So I don't know that it's that easy. And I'll tell you this to, to me. I'm sticking to this. Kay- Kaylee's number two on my list. I think they screwed up big time. I don't know whether that was because uh, you know, there were the rumblings about going to Vegas and they shot that down. I just know that everyone I talk to who's dealt with him thinks highly of him. And I'm talking about people that are no longer in the building. Never mind the people that are in the building. And yes, it's a first-year OC. I get that. But he He saw how they built this thing before he was here for it. He understands it. He's coached the tight ends the last few years, and I know you can say, well, the tight ends haven't now look that's that's more of a personnel problem than I think it is a coaching problem and certainly a game plan problem uh this year, in particular yes. with the way hunter's been used um i I still think that makes a lot of sense to me because he's young. I think he identifies with the players. And I think, again, I think he knows, I think he knows a lot of stuff about how they did it before. And I think he can help get it back to some sort of level that it was prior to this, whatever this is, this experiment.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, it's, it said a lot when he was passed over for Patricia. And I think that speaks to how Bill thinks of Patricia as much as the ceiling on certain assistance, because Bill will make that very blunt. Like you want to go way, way back. Pepper Johnson was someone who had aspirations higher than being a defensive line coach here in the early mid-2000s and then, you know, met a ceiling here professionally and went to go coach the Jets. So that's happened before. I don't know if that's the case with Kaylee. but Patrick,
0: Patrick Graham as well.
1: Patrick Graham, yeah. Better, more recent example. A guy who's gone to be defensive coordinator, obviously, in Vegas right now, but many other stops um, besides there. And they blocked him from going to Vegas. I mean, at that point, like, you <laughs> have no one else left. But right. longest tenured assistant on offense. Um, well-spoken, smart, hardworking. And, uh, I know he's been involved very much in the run game this year. And that is really the one part of the game that's that's been working for them. The one thing you do well. Schematically. Yeah. Okay. We promised football talk. Let's get into (laughs) some football talk. Yes. Sticking with the offense and Nick Cayley and everyone else on that side of the ball. I want you to start on a positive note here. Try, try as hard as we can. How do the Patriots get to 20 plus points against Cincinnati? Because in my opinion, this is the only way that they win.
0: Don't suck passing the football. Okay,
1: (laughs) thank you very much, very (laughs) helpful.
0: Well, I mean, you can't-
1: How, Mike, yes, thank you.
0: How? So show me, well, first of all, get Hunter more involved. I think that that whole thing has just been nonsensical. Um, How about let's not target Nelson Aguilar on slants? Like there are certain things that just don't make a hell of a lot of sense to me um, that have been going on all year long. But, I mean, I'm, I'm trying – I'm scheming it up as best I can as a schemer in this offense to get Hunter and Jacoby Myers the football 8 to 10 times. That's, that's what I'm doing. Then you can mix in your screens that you love so much. Um, and I think that's enough that you should be able – because I think those two players are good players, that that should be enough if Mac is on his game, if you will, and they protect him decently, that you can get to 20. I I have some questions about Cincinnati's secondary. I don't have any questions about their front seven. And even though Hendrickson and Hubbard, uh, Hubbard's definitely not playing, I think. Uh, Hendrickson, I'm pretty sure he's not playing either. But DJ Reader's a monster. BJ Hill's a monster. Like, they're going to have a hard time blocking those guys. Um, Logan Wilson's been everywhere uh, in large part because he's running behind those two guys where they're taking up two and three people at a time and he's getting a clear path to the ball. Um, but I think Yeah, I think you could do some things against this team passing the football. I think without those two ends, you should have a little bit more time to throw the ball, which means maybe you can progress to 10-yard throws instead of line of scrimmage throws or behind the line of scrimmage throws. Ooh, Mike. I know. Don't get me too excited. I'm getting saucy, aren't
1: I? Um, Well, the, the first step is obviously scouting them, which I should have done at the outset here as we normally do our rundown. So let me hit on the Bengals really quickly for those unfamiliar and haven't visited them twice this season like you have. The Bengals have won six straight. They are 10-4 and four overall, 7th by DVOA, 5th in offense, 12th in defense, 22nd on special teams. We'll get to that later. And when you look at both sides of the ball, this is a balanced team. It's a veteran team. They're top 10 running the ball and passing offensively. This is not a stop the run, let them throw. Obviously, Joe Burrow is playing exceptionally well. Defensively, they're in the top half against the run and the pass. And I mentioned those veterans, you know, they're all over the secondary. Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Mike Hilton's in there, very forceful against the run for Nichols. Their pass rush is mostly coming from Trey Hendrickson. he mentioned has broken wrists, missed the game at at Tampa, might actually play Sam Hubbard's out. Those two guys are the only two. And this is pass rush is much more than sack totals, but with more than two sacks this season, BJ Hill is third with two. And so, you know, you talk about Wilson, still a Patriots draft crush for me from like 2020, where it's just nice. like this. Okay, he's like five pounds lighter than your prototype, or an inch and a half shorter, whatever. Like this guy can cover sideline to sideline. We'll give you some sort of speed, instinct, all that. Good tackler. Just get him in the building. Couldn't do it.
0: That's how I, that's how I felt about Shaq Leonard. I know he's had injury problems, but like it's same thing. You see him playing, you're like. See, I'm not an idiot. I can yeah. spot good players. He's a good and that's, player. That's the bar got a way to you. make him work.
1: Yeah. Not an idiot. Um, no,
0: that's, that's me. That's it. That's an important thing for me. Not
1: an idiot. Well, they are finally getting him in the building. Cause of course he'll be here on Saturday. <laughs> and so sticking with the defense, like the two linebackers, Pratt and Wilson kind of make everything go. This is a nickel defense. It's zone heavy. You're, you know, they blitz somewhere in the middle of the, the pack, somewhere between 12th and 18th, uh, depending on your you know, choice of, Uh, Research, but they'll pressure when they need to. It's just, I think, for the Patriots to score 20 points, you know, their numbers against number one receivers are very good. Running backs and tight ends also very good, mostly due to, as I mentioned, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, who've already combined for 200 tackles this season somehow. You've got to attack to the guy who let the game away in Las Vegas, and that's Jacoby Myers, because Mike Hilton is, is a very good and heady player, but for whatever reason, they're not covering the middle of the field very well. And that's the area where I think, look, if I'm Belichick, and if I have a sense of humor or you want to build someone back up, I give a double pass to Jacoby Myers at some point in this game. Like, let him let him actually do it. And I'm serious. Yeah. People can bitch and say this is insane. Jacoby Myers, for whatever happened in Las Vegas, which we all know what happened, is one of your best and most consistent players on this team. The only one that is causing a defensive coordinator to stay up an extra five minutes at night, reminder Stevenson doing much more than that, I just don't trust Stevenson to have a game like he did against Las Vegas, which had a below average run defense. They're above average. The two guys in the middle are a problem. I think they're going to come downhill. You need to hit big plays off play action. And I think specific to Myers and that starts with a fast start because eventually you are going to have to run the ball. And I just, I think you need a first quarter lead and a lot of help from defense and special teams. But Beyond that, you got to feature your guy because it looks like Devontae Parker could be out. And I I just don't trust them to feature Hunter Henry. Would you hit it on the head? there have been three games this year against bottom 10 defenses by DVOA against tight ends. And Hunter Henry is seeing as many targets as you and me.
0: It's illogical. Um, Again, I I would love, I would love someone to give me a real honest answer about, about the philosophy there, (laughs) how you can think that made any sense at any point Um, they can't obviously. Um, I'll tell you this and, and having seen them and, most recently, I saw them against Tennessee, which was kind of the start of their of their run of playing hard teams and and beating hard teams. Teams that, well, I don't know if Cincinnati. Now I think it's the other way around. I think it's like the other team should be worried about Cincinnati, not not them worried about the other team. Um, a lot of run blitzes in that game. Mike Hilton, you know, they they attacked Derrick Henry. The idea, obviously, with Henry, I mean, with every back, but Henry is a big dude. Was to get him before he gets going. Get him going sideways. Um, don't allow him to get that full head of steam. I think you can kind of say the same thing about Ramondre, not obviously as big as as Derek, but I I think there is a bit of a similar running style there. Um, So I, I wonder if they sort of dust that off. And the thing that impressed me in that game was that they were the more physical team and they were the more physical team from jump. So I think they know how the Patriots want to play and that the Patriots want to be the bully. And, and haven't succeeded in being that too often. And I think they're going to come in with that attitude. Like, go ahead, try it, see what happens. Because we've stopped a lot better running attacks and better teams than you. And we're going to do this to you again. And having Reader back in the lineup and, and healthy. Uh, I was joking the other day. Well, not even joking. It's, it's fact. I love watching him play. Like you just, he, he people, ah, defensive tackle, like just watch him, man. Some of the stuff that he does at that size is, is stupid. And the ability to sort of control two blockers is, you know, I mean, there are guys that can do it, but then there are guys that aren't productive off of it. He can do it and then be productive off it. So I think he's he's one of the better guys you're going to see in the interior all year long.
1: You mentioned them beating good teams Uh, among them. They won 34, 23, huge comeback at Tampa last week. You know, you go on the roads and beat the Browns 23 to 10. Uh, that was actually at home. Also, beat the Chiefs at home 27 24, Titans on the road 20 to 16, and then the Steelers and Panthers before that. Like, again, this is just what happens when you're a good, well coached, balanced team. And it was interesting listening to Belichick describe them on Wednesday because it was the same description so many other teams would have for the Patriots in the past 20 plus years of their just well coached, great quarterback, you know, defensively make you earn it, and a couple of explosive players in offense. And let's just flip to that side of the ball because, again, I I think the Patriots, they just don't have a plan B. So it's going to be that running game. I mentioned an early lead. That's great. I think you need to feature Kobe Myers. None of this is, is groundbreaking, okay? Feature your two best players. Like, lean on the best of them heavily. And you just got to hope that Mike Unwenu's battle with DJ Reader, which should be really great. And you talk about doing stupid stuff. I thought the contract they gave him was exorbitant. Like, I was like, what? We're paying those tackles here in 2022. Yeah. There go the Bengals. Where well, there go the Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> yeah. and, and now are a better team than they were that made uh, the promised land. So I mentioned the Bengals, very balanced on offense, fifth in the league by DVOA, top 10 run and pass. Joe Burrow completing 68% of his passes, 3,885 yards. 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, Deb McCourty called their weaponry probably the best, quote unquote, in the league. That starts with Jamar Chase. 71 catches, 881 yards, 8 touchdowns. T. Higgins, 894 yards to lead the team on 65 catches. Tyler Boyd, 50 plus in the catch department, 690 yards, 5 touchdowns. And Joe Mixon still doing Joe Mixon things. So uh, you need to start with Burrow. And this was the same deal as I talked about against the Raiders when I was out in Vegas uh, with our friends, Zach Cox and, and Dakota Randall, that you just, you can't devote too many resources to one guy, which then was Adams and Renfro and Waller and Jacobs. You need to get to the guy, who has the ball in every single play. And I think there, there are ways to confuse Joe Burrow. A lot of them involve spinning into two deep coverages, which for a time, just like it was with Mahomes this is, oh, this is the magic antidote to solving Patrick Mahomes. Like, look, there, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for Burrow now. You could also blitz for a time. There's no answer. You just have to fool him. So, having seen him, when, where, and how is Burrow most likely to make a mistake? Hey guys, we're gonna hit pause in the Patriots here for just a second to talk about something really important. And that's bedtime stories. Yes, the tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fairytale ending, maybe hitting a walk-off home run, or scoring a game-winning touchdown. So why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings when we try to go to sleep as adults as we drift off to sleep? Because the Calm app's immersive sleep stories make falling into relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood and hitting those homewards and scoring those touchdowns. And I'm super excited to announce we're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. For the last year plus, it's helped me reduce stress and anxiety through things like guided meditation. It helps improve your focus with curated music tracks and help you rest and recharge with those imaginative sleep stories. It can work for kids or adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And right now, if you go to calm.com garden, you will get a special offer of 40% off, 4-0, of a Calm premium subscription where new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds because it is always ready on long days or short ones, to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. So for listeners of this show, Pat's Interference, the best-looking Patriots fans, and smartest around, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a premium subscription at calm.com backslash garden. Go to calm.com slash garden for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash garden.
0: So I saw him in week one, which was the, that was the four interception game um, against Pittsburgh. And one of those was freaky TJ Watt doing TJ Watt things. But that was, I think, the, to your point, sort of the impatient, we're still going to try to push the ball down the field. This is what we lived on last year. You know, getting Jamar T down the, down the field, we're going to hit those plays. And then teams were like, you're not doing that against us in Pittsburgh. That was their clear philosophy was like, you're just, we're not allowing that. Um, they should have won that game too. Evan McPherson missed multiple kicks in that game. Um, the Tennessee game, you know, three months later, Tennessee playing sort of a similar manner, no Jamar chase in that game as he was still out with the hip and they just, I kind of, he, he used his legs more in that game and made a lot of good plays with his legs very smartly, not a lot of spinning into 25 yard sacks and those sorts of things. Like, no, it's not here. I'm rolling right up. There's a window. I got seven yards here. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take the seven yards. I'm going to take the 10 here. Uh, And then now the defense is, well, he's now he's more of a threat. Now you got guys starting to peel, peel off. Give me a little window. Bam. I got T Higgins. Bam. I got Tyler Boyd. He was playing at the graduate level um, in that game. A doctorate level, he was he was on that level just the way he saw the game, how slow it was for him, and, and making the right throws at the right times. Uh, I, I obviously the Patriots have done a good job, they just did it on Devontae Adams. But I look at this situation, I say, if all three of those guys are on the field, Waller was on a snap count for Vegas, Renfro was on a snap count. Um, I just don't know. I, I think they're I think Devin's right. Get back to the point. I think Devin's right. I think this is probably the best group of offensive skill players. We didn't even mention Samaji Ryan, who's actually probably running better than Mixon has um, and bringing some physicality for a third down back. So um, I I just, you're hoping for turnovers, right? You're hoping for someone to put the ball on the ground. You're hoping for a ball to pop up in the air because somebody gets a hand on it and you make a play that way. um, Because I think they are. And I think they've done a really good job up front. I look I'd be surprised if you can't get some pressure off the edges. If there's, to me, if there's a weak spot, it's been, well, it's been Volson, the the left guard, but it's been some of the tackle play. But even then, like he's so poised in the pocket, he will slide. He will move the subtle things that we saw somebody do here for almost, you know, two decades. He has some of that in his bag.
1: Yeah. I, I want to say this right now, very clearly. There's going to be a point Saturday where the Patriots have everyone covered. It's third and seven. It might be longer. They've got pressure on Burrow. He's going to escape and he's going to scramble for first down and everyone in the stadium is going to go silent and you're going to be pissed because that was one of your few opportunities to kind of force a punt against this guy. But as you mentioned, he's playing at a PhD level. So when you watch that happen, think back to this podcast and just understand that's the margin for error here. Like you are banking on the version of two, Downfield shots, big explosive plays being either negative plays or turnovers against him, which are just hard to come by as they are for the offense. They will be for this defense. I think, you know, on Saturday, even as a defense that ranks, you know, among the league leaders in two And I think to help against that, you're going to see a lot more zone coverage. It was over 80% against Arizona. It was over 70% versus Las Vegas and at some point you can still kind of play matchup ball because Jalen Mills mispracticed again with a groin injury. We don't know Thursday when the injury report comes out what it's going to say later today. Check it out for yourselves. Either way, Jack Jones still limited um and it's just it's hard to say cuz Jonathan Jones now also limited with chest injury. Like
0: and you're and small only- and you and you're small at corner and all yeah. three of those guys, Chase Higgins, um Boyd, actually even Irwin who's made some plays for them. They're all, they're they're bigger than if you if Jalen's not on the field, I mean they dwarf your corners.
1: Yeah, all of them, and and as well as Jonathan Jones has played, it's just it's still a matchup because Jamar Chase is one of the top five best wide receivers in the entire league. You hit on the tackles, and I'm glad you did because okay, left guard's been an issue. Ted Karras, solid, good at center. Lyle Collins has been a disappointment in right tackle. Let's just let's just say it's super talented and someone who might have been in New England in a different universe depending on how the off season went. Um, didn't happen. Jonah Williams hit or miss, a good player. If Judon and Nuche don't have a good game in the instances where Burrow doesn't escape and they get to hit him and sack him, because Bengals are still allowing a fair amount of sacks, like, can they win if those guys don't show up? And Judon has had one pressure now in two of his last three games.
0: Yeah, uh, no, they can't. No, they need those guys to be game wreckers. Um, and and that doesn't, like you said, doesn't have to be sacks. Yeah. Um, although, obviously, you prefer that, but it just has to be throwing him off schedule, getting him to run around, getting hits on him. Not that, again, not that he gets effect, affected by that stuff. He tends to be, uh, okay, fine, whatever, shrug it off and then we'll play the next play. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't foresee any scenario in which those guys aren't game changers, game wreckers that, that you can beat them.
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that they won't have success. I think they will, because ultimately, I think there, there's a good part about playing as much zone as they did in disguising against Carr, which, again, that was part of the formula is we're going to spin the dial a ton against Derek Carr. And it worked You know, for the majority of that second half. You just need to flip that here against Cincinnati. Like You need to buy your offense time. You can't fall into a hole because they'll be able to play the game that they want in the second half against you, grind you out throw different blitzes. And I think the other part about this is they need to catch not just Joe Burrow, but the play calling, you know, off balance here or there. Like we saw some slot blitzes and some corner blitzes from the boundary. So it's a shorter distance from the nearest sideline of the quarterback that I thought they were trying to catch Josh and play action shots. Cause all of these came at midfield. They came at like second and short where Josh knows he, he could go, you know, another down or just get a first down and then he's already in scoring range. And the reason was because if those slot blitzes and corner blitzes get home, and most of them did, you've got Derek Carr with his back turned. So whenever he does flip around, his best play available to him is just a throwaway. And that's exactly what happened. So the Bengals don't run the same system, don't buy-abide, you know, the same philosophy as Josh McDaniels. But those kind of plays might not be Burrow-specific. It just might be we need to kind of, you know, screw things up for them from a play-calling standpoint and get them out of rhythm. And it might be more about Zach Taylor.
0: Yeah, I'll just say this. I thought Todd Bowles' plan for Burrow was pretty good. And look, they got, they got the benefit of the turnovers and had a fair amount of short fields, but and they and they played keep away in the first half, so that's part of it too. Yeah. But in the second half, they were throwing everything they could possibly throw at them, and they were disguised. like it was. I'm sure they played the same coverage on back to back snaps, but if you kind of go back through it and watch it, you're like. Well, how did they get there? Like they, they were doing everything they possibly could. It, it did not matter. It did not matter one single bit.
1: That's, that's where he's at right now. Yeah. All right. You mentioned uh, kind of taking the time, running it off the clock. Let's go to three keys, two matchups, one extra point preview, three, two, one here. Uh, my first one is time possession. And I shake my head anytime I hear this in modern football analysis, it just doesn't matter play is too explosive guys are too good we don't have two minute drills we have 13 second drills out in kansas city and sometimes a minute and that's all you need especially with a great quarterback and these weapons the fact of the matter is as an underdog the patriots are only you know three-point underdogs at home you need to shrink the game you need to have this be a game where there's so much more variance matter so much more because say what you will about the Bengals, and i rattled off all those stats and rankings by dboa football outsiders with DVOA has a ranking for variance. Basically, how consistent are you week to week? Number one in variance, you are the same team. You're rock solid. However good that is, you're just in the smallest range, the spectrum of who you are. The Bengals are in the bottom 10. Like you can catch them on a bad day. Mm-hmm. And the, what the Patriots need to do is count on that bad day, arriving Saturday, and then giving the Bengals as few opportunities offensively to find a rhythm and get out of that fun. And what you do with that is six Seven minute drives just to give them fewer possessions. Where if you have one turnover and you only get eight possessions, that means a lot more than if you get 12 or 13 in a normal game. Shrink the game, introduce more variance. I think you need time possession. It helps, of course, for my second key. This is boring as all hell, uh, (laughs) straight out of the 70s and 80s, field position. Like you just you can't ask your offense to do too much. They've been very good in this department. Sometimes it hasn't mattered, but you just against a better team, you need to start with a little bit of a head start. And those are my two big ones for Saturday.
0: I, well, I, at the risk of um, concurring with you on everything, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm the field position thing is huge. And it's just, you just have a recent example of it. Tampa's defense was playing really well. And then the turnover after turnover after turnover by Brady, Tom Brady, making turnovers at age 45, um, put their defense in a spot where it was like, all of a sudden it was just like, they couldn't, you can't, Stand up to that offense for four quarters, especially if you're going to put them in short fields, at least not the way they're playing right now. So to me, that's massive. Uh, The the old thing about ending every drive and a kick, like field goal, extra point, punt, Like don't turn the ball over, don't give them short fields because they – are really really good about converting those not into just three points but into seven and you're not good enough to allow that like you just can't you can't fight that fight because you're not scoring 35 against them just not who you are it's not who you've been and it may not be who you're going to be for for a long time here we'll see so i just that one to me is a massive uh indicator of the game and like if you start giving them the ball on the 40 yard line you're 40 just forget about it
1: well i gave us two keys and then you repeated one so we're still at two keys when we need a third. All right, so about five weeks ago, in the dog days of the regular season, we all know it's been a long year for the Patriots. I was looking around for a new supplement. I wanted something that would give me more energy, help with the immune system with the flu and COVID coming back around. And I got to tell you, I found it. And I am so happy that they are now a new sponsor of Pats Interference. It's AG1. AG1, what is this stuff? Well, it is one delicious scoop of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's new. I just learned about them. Very important. They all help you start your day right. And this special blend supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, everything. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, or if you're dairy-free or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals you'll find in other supplements. And it supports better sleep quality and recovery, which is very important. We've had a lot of night games, folks. Perhaps best of all, in addition to all that good stuff, it costs you less than your regular cup of coffee, less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than getting coffee or any of the other supplements you might find on the shelf and have to combine them. It's just one scoop with everything you need. Plus, you know Athletic Greens is trusted because it has over 7,000, that's 7,000 five-star reviews online recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So right now, it is time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water, or for me, a smoothie per day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash garden. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash garden to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance
0: i had something oh you know what i had jamar chase so if you watch jamar chase now he hasn't played you know he missed a bunch of games you watch him after catch he's a monster it's at times when you watch him after catch it's like watching um it's like watching gronk in his prime and look obviously different size guys but like just ripping through tacklers. It's taking three guys to get them to the ground. And those are the simple plays where when the Patriots, def- well, the Patriots defense have been pretty good all year long, but they're getting guys to the ground. They're not allowing that run after catch. So, hey, you got the slant for six yards. You didn't turn it into 15. You didn't turn it into 25. We put you on the ground there and made you make another play. With Chase, his ability to break through, through those tackles is has been, i am just go back and if you can search chase and some of the plays he's made this year, it's pretty sick. And like, look, you said, he's a top five receiver, no argument here. He's that kind of guy. He can change games. But to me, that's like an underrated part of who he is is the ability to just sort of truck guys. And when you're talking about Marcus Jones, who's little and Jack Jones, who's thin and John Jones, who's small, like he's a bigger dude than all those dudes. And he can physically overpower some of those guys. So to me, like, you'll see again, can they get him to the ground early? Cause if they can't, He's going to make a big play on you and you're going to look back and go, man, if we could just have gotten him on the ground on that play, but we couldn't because he's Jamar Chase and that's what he's done all year.
1: All right. Two matchups. Uh, we, we talked about Judon Nuche and if you want to stick in the edge, I, I totally understand. I think the other part about this is for the Patriots defense, because again, they they have to have a great game. Like you, you need a good game out of the offense, but there, there is no universe in which you win without a great game from this defense. Devin McCourty versus Joe Burrow, like that kind of, you know, cat and mouse game before the snap, all the rotations. And there's a lot more involved than just Devin McCourty being in one spot five seconds before the snap and being in another at the snap. It involves Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, some of the linebackers, even the corners going from press to off coverage or off to press. But I think McCourty is the one coordinating all of that in the secondary. And that's the guy when he's making adjustments or checks needs to be a step ahead of Joe Burrow and it won't happen every snap. It probably won't happen even more than 60% of the time, but it needs to at least be there. Cause that's, I think when you'll get him to take chances down the sideline, when they show a single high structure spin out to too high, can Devin get back to help against a go ball to Jamal or Jamal Jamar chase and either deflect it or grab it like that. That's going to be, you need all of his veteran experience here against Cincinnati because you know, man on man, they just can't hold up against, against this group.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say this because so I was looking at the linebacker level and Tavai and Bentley because t- versus Burrow and that and that offensive line, because I look at it and say, can you make them one dimensional? Because Mixon has had kind of an up and down year, I think Pirine's been their better runner. Um, can you make them one dimensional? And you say, well, that's Burrow and he's got the weapons. Yeah, I get that. But if you can do that, maybe you put them at risk. Again, the turnover situation, you force them to throw it a few more times. Maybe you can catch him. You can fool him on that one play and make a play. Um, but I don't think if you're, if we know Burrow's going to get his, we know those receivers are going to get theirs. I don't think you can let Piron and Mixon go for over a hundred combined. Like to me, you've got to keep them down where they, you know, eventually Zach Taylor's like, we're not doing this anymore. We're not, I'm not wasting a snap, giving the ball to this guy or that guy. And to me, a big part of that will be, can your linebackers, decipher, read and make plays in the hole.
1: Yeah. We, we haven't spent enough time on mixing and P Ryan. I, I kind of glossed over that because I think, again, the game is you're totally lost if they're only playing on first and second down, yep. but those are still important downs. We can't just skip to third because you know, Jamar chase is more exciting or all these different weapons of Joe Burrow and that whole conversation. But, you know, again, <laughs> this is like Devin is, is guesting on this podcast yeah. to quote him yet again from Wednesday. Yeah. You don't get a break when Joe Burrow turns his back and hands the ball off because they're running the ball really well. They're, they're the ninth best team by DVOA and rush offense. Um, but I, you know, I'll just leave it there. Cause again, you, you need to, you need to limit their options there. You know, yeah, whether if, you, if
0: you if if they're getting five and six yards of carry on first down, I mean, forget about it. Just go home. Like everybody in the stands, just get to the car. Now beat the traffic. You can be home by the Christmas tree by four o'clock for the afternoon game. Like you yeah, just trust me
1: a little, little late there. <laughs> Well. All right. One extra point. This is always our thought. It doesn't necessarily need to be important or relevant. It's just something in the area of the game that is kind of on your mind for Saturday. I, I'm gonna go a little more serious here. And we've talked a lot about all oh, the Patriots, if they don't do this, they're gonna lose. And this is such a terrible matchup, blah, 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 blah. And I think the spread should be wider than Cincinnati minus three. But but if the Patriots win this game, this is a signature win for Mac Jones and for Bill Belichick, of which they have zero together since Mac came aboard last year. And we talk about narrative and we talk about all the things at stake for them. Bill, in terms of leverage in the offseason, talking with the crafts, Mac controlling how much of the season was his fault versus on the coaching and the circumstance and what he can do to elevate above this. You beat Joe Burrow head to head. You beat the AFC reigning champions head to head, winners of six straight, okay? And you do it in a fashion that is going to have to be a close game because you're just not blowing Cincinnati out. You get your signature win. You get everything that matters most over these last three games. And all of that is really important, not just for this season and not just for this team, but each of them individually. And I think that's something to watch that. I don't think it's going to give them any added motivation, but there's a world in which they win. And that means a whole hell of a lot for everyone involved, especially the two most important characters here in Belichick and Mac.
0: I'm going to take it from the, from the opposing sideline view. Uh, Um, To hear those guys, and I talked to Jesse Bates yesterday and Tyler Boyd on the phone, um, to hear them talk about the Patriots and use the term while they're well-coached and they're good in situational football and all these things, Zach's been saying it at the podium and and Callahan said it at the podium and Lou Anarumo, their their defensive coordinator, said it at the podium. To hear them say that and to know what I've seen for two-plus years now, three years, I mean, if you want to count the cam, I almost just throw out the cam here like it doesn't count, but but to have watched this team and the way they've played and how they haven't improved in my mind at all they've been the same team they were in the spring in the summer in September October November it's the same thing they're making the same mistakes they're playing the same dumb football um it just it's it's kind of startling it's jarring and i look those guys put on the tape they know what it looks like so they're just saying the right things but in the past even when maybe the team went through a lull. You're like, no, they're still right. Like, okay. Yeah. They've lost two in a row, but this is Belichick. And this is, they've got this way. And they, 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 they find a way in, in big moments to rise up and show people like we're not dead yet. This team has shown you none of those characteristics. Um, and it just is very jarring to hear someone say that. And when they do, I, I just can't help it. Like there's a lot of smirk and it's not like, Oh, you're misfortune as a Patriot fan. It's just like, that's how it used to be, but it's not how it is anymore.
1: Well, it's how it used to be, but just it was role-reversed, okay? The Patriots are telling you how well coached the Jets are, or the Bengals right. are, and this might be a crux of a story I am writing later today for hmm. the Herald tomorrow. But Teaser, teaser. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's true, and it's, it's jarring because the last time they met with 2019, the last year where you could claim all of those things, even as they faded down the stretch, but you had the great quarterback. You won situationally. Your defense was incredibly sound and the best defense in the league that season. So much has changed. Uh, There are a ton of different reasons for that, but it's not like the Bengals until they got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, both in the top seven, eight, whatever it was, um, you know, we're drafting a whole lot better. And the Patriots drafts have started to turn around. This will evolve into a much bigger conversation, but it it is interesting because now they're the ones kind of blowing smoke and that used to be the Patriots. I
0: I have an important question for you. Yes, it's an important question. Has anybody this year said that Mac Jones can make all the throws?
1: (laughs) I I need to go back to the transcript.
0: Yeah, I just it you know because it is it is that it's it's it really I keep using the word jarring. It's jarring to hear because you're you've been so used to it being so buttoned up here, and like I said, I threw out the Newton year. That was just a crap show. Like, and I. And I even can understand why they went with Cam and why they stuck with Cam um, when others maybe don't want to like, just, I, I got it. Yeah. But now to see what it's become starting in December of last year and through this year, it's like, you're, you're just like all those other middling football teams that you did make fun of, or you did have to throw bouquets when you didn't mean it. Cause you know, when privately you'd be like, Jared Goff's going to crap his pants. Like that's, that's where you're at now with the other teams.
1: Still such a legendary report for me. Was that game day of the Super Bowl? That was game day of the Super like, Bowl. Yeah. I had that.
0: So I got, I was told that on Monday or Tuesday of that week. And I was like, hold it, hold it, hold it. And then you, you, know, you pray because if someone's willing to tell you that, there's other good reporters on the beat. Well, yeah. there's national guys that come around and people want to be like friends with the national guy. And you're like, yeah, are they're going to tell them that. And I kept what, like, Nope, nothing happened today. Nobody said it today. Nobody reported it today. Just <laughs> hang on, just hang on. We're going to get there. And then the best part about that was the reaction of Pat's fans who were a pop. Uh, I can't even say the word. were are completely losing their minds. Like no one, no Patriot player would ever say that. Okay, buddy. Right. Sure. Cause they don't talk trash. No. And they yeah. were right.
1: They were right. Three points. Oh, my points God, were they right? In Absolutely. Lowest scoring yeah. ever. Like, that's – it's uh, it's a great clip. I'm glad you mentioned, too, that he can uh, hit all the throws because that was before I discovered that was a tell for Bill that he thinks the quarterback sucks, provided there's no mention of accuracy or decision-making. <laughs> right,
0: playmaking. He, yes. He, no, no. I yeah, was I was teasing you yesterday when he said yeah, that. Because- yeah, I know.
1: I know. I, I just – that gets lost in the criticism of the same knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, Callahan's making shit up and all this different stuff. And you just listen to someone talk and drone and talk and talk. And you, you, you pick up on tells, like as I'm sure For people sure. who listen to this podcast go, I hate it when he transitions like this or he <laughs> stumbles upon that word. Like it just happens. We For all sure. have habits. But I think the thing about that was it was just perfect because, you know, he said it about golf. He said it about so many other guys. And if there's no mention of accuracy or decision-making, he says you can make all the throws something, which by the way, and he said, hit all the throws yesterday, bro, Belichick has not done once this year, or maybe since I tweeted that out week two of last season. It's certainly not happened this year. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I think he's, <laughs> he's aware. Uh, Mike, you the NFL network. Tremendous as always. We'll get you out in a final score prediction. I tried to end in a positive note. Again, this would be a legitimate signature win for the Patriots. And then we went right back down the toilet. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Give me a final score.
0: I'm going to trust that some of the veteran leaders somehow get this team to, to put it together after that devastating loss against Vegas, but I still don't think it's enough. I just don't think you have enough forces on offense. And I don't, I mean, your scheme is what it is. So let's call it, uh, let's call it 27, 17.
1: Ooh. All right. Well, we are almost in alignment, which always makes for just terrible <laughs> podcasting 27, uh, 16. I think they get their early lead. I think yeah, it could be 13, uh, you know, to nine, something along there, you know, 13, six at halftime, but the dam is going to break because that's just the talent level here where the Bengals, if they are well coached, have the horses, have often had the horses and just screwed it up themselves. And uh, that's what's going to happen on Saturday, but it is going to be, and we should have noted this earlier, uh, incredibly windy at Foxborough. We're looking at 25 mile to 30 mile per hour winds, all game, a real feel shout out weather of basically zero. Yeah. And an actual temperature of about 23. So if you're throwing the ball, which Cincinnati does better, good weather, bad weather than the Patriots, eh, it's going to be a little trickier than we know. And that might speak to the variance of just kind of a bad bounce here or ball dying a little bit earlier there. Like, things could happen.
0: Or then, But then your kicker, who was who, who's, who's really good indoors, but when the weather gets cold, we saw, he doesn't have the same leg on his kicks. I mean, I, I figure he'll be able to figure out the wind patterns because they spend so much time with that. But even then, that makes like, is you're your second best offensive player? Your third best <laughs> offensive player? How's All he right, the, the NFL Network
1: scourge, ladies and gents. Yes, like ladies before. and gentlemen,
0: <laughs> just tell it like it is, whether you like it or not.
1: Look, well, we can get him out here. Drag us any more down. Merry Christmas, buddy. You too.